Our featured author this week on the Writer's Corner live show is none other than Stephen Tingle from South Carolina in the USA with his book, Graveyard Fields. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you're just joining us, then welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and our stream is made possible by Creative Edge, StreamYard, and BeLive Media. A special warm welcome to you, the audience, because this is an audience-centric show. So please, if you have any comments, questions for our author today, um, or if you're brand new and you've never watched the show before, we have been going for over three years. Um, so let us know that you're new, and we'd be happy to give you a shout-out. We're going to be talking to our amazing author, Stephen Tingle, this week. But first, before we bring Stephen on, let me say a warm welcome to my friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She is a special needs and disabilities advocate and also an award-winning author. She has launched the uh, Poolicious Children's Book Series and more recently two new books, Entrepreneurs and also Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, which is a collection of stories of 29 women who have shown amazing resilience. So with that, Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So excited to be here this morning. It's evening where you are and morning where I am. And so we've got the day covered, don't we? We absolutely do. We absolutely do. And always good to see you. So, you. Our, so good to see you too. Yeah. And our, our amazing guest for today is Stephen Tingle. He's from South Carolina. He's a freelance writer, author, and journalist. In addition to having served as editor-at-large for Tempest, a luxury lifestyle publication for private journeys, he contributes to a variety of both national and regional publications, including Rob Report, Modern Luxury, Town, and also Discovery, which is the Cathay Pacific in-flight magazine. Wow. Very cool. I know. We've never Very had anyone cool. on who did what Stephen does. So we're so excited to have him here and talk about that part of the writing world, which is, you know, not something that is always talked about. Absolutely. And then also um, one of the scripts he wrote details the early history of the South Carolina textile industry. And that's going to air on PBS. But today we're going to be talking mostly about his debut novel, Graveyard Fields, which was published by Crooked Lane Books. So shall we invite him to join us?
Stephen, welcome to the show. I'm here. <laughs> I am He's here. I'm here. He's on the top of the mountain in South Carolina. Look at him. That's right. For real. That's right. Yeah. For real. For real. Um, yeah. It's well, a beautiful part Stephen, of the country, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's yes, it is. Yes, lots of stories in those mountains over there. So you got lots of writing to do. Indeed. I'm going to stay busy. Yes, you are. <laughs> So oh thank goodness. you both well, for I, having me on. I I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, we're so glad a you're big, here. Big, um, well, unlike most writers, you've kind of had a different entry um, into becoming a, an author and writing your first novel, um, as opposed to you know, as Mary said just before we 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 started the show, a lot of people dream about writing or. Life and so it's something that they um, have, you know, often set aside time for. But your journey has been somewhat different. <laughs> Tell us a little bit how you, I mean, you are a, a writer extraordinaire. How <laughs> did you find your way with words? I mean, you are exceptional as a as a writer. Um, how did your love affair with words start? Were you, you know, is it something, a gift you always had? Did you develop it? How did, how did this all fall into place for you? It, it fell into to place uh, slowly, very, very slowly. I was, uh, I was in the, in the golf business until I was 40. My parents, wow. owned, a, uh, my parents owned a golf course in North Carolina. So they opened that course the year before I was born. So I grew up right there in that business uh, and stayed there until I was 40. Um, and, and growing up, I wasn't even a big reader. I did not enjoy reading until I was probably in my late 20s or early 30s. Um, and then when I left the golf business, uh, again, when I was 40, that was around 2008, I guess. Uh, 2009, I needed something to do, uh, all my, uh, training, all my education, all my experience was in, in golf, uh, and in restaurants. We had a couple of restaurants there at the golf course. Um, and I wanted to just do something completely different. I wanted to do something creative. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, writing seemed like a really cool gig to me. Uh, but I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, long-form journalism, uh, like what Esquire was doing back in those days, and The New Yorker still does, and some other magazines. And I was so naive, I thought, well, I guess you just email these editors and tell them that you want to write stories for them, and they give you assignments and send you these huge checks, and this is how you do it. Um, and no one responded to my emails and I was really kind of distraught. Um, but I kept, I kept working at it. And finally, uh, a, uh, I found a, a golf trade magazine that happened to have a brand new, the magazine had been around for years, but, uh, there was a brand new editor in chief and, just based on my experience uh, managing this golf course for many years, he said, I'll give you a shot to write a 600 word piece. And 
it scared me to death because now I finally had to do it. And I, I actually Googled how to write a magazine article. I didn't know how to quote people or I didn't know what to do. Uh, and somehow I cobbled it together and I sent it in and he liked it and said, okay, here's your next one. And here's your next one. Um, so I wrote for that magazine for a few months and that led to writing for another magazine, another golf trade magazine. Uh, and I quickly learned, wow, you could make hundreds of dollars a year as a magazine writer. And I knew I needed to really get a lot more magazines on board. And I, and I didn't want, I did still want to get out of the golf world totally. Uh, so I got connected with a great magazine in Greenville, South Carolina, where I live now called town. Uh, and I've been writing monthly for them for the past uh, 10, 11 years now. And of course that body of work led to more magazines and different opportunities, including some corporate uh, work. Uh, it led to my little stint with Tempest, which is the magazine was a magazine for private jet owners. Um, and to me, magazine writing has been wonderful. It's given me the opportunity to travel all over, um, meet some interesting people, tell some wonderful stories. Uh, so I've really, really enjoyed that. I'm very grateful uh, that I made that decision to get into that world. That is magnificent. Actually, hearing you, how you how you're step by step, because anybody out there who might be listening or watching that wants to get into the writing world and things, maybe they're interested in writing in magazines. I've always wondered about it myself. I've never taken that step forward, even though there are magazines out there I'd love to write an article for. Um, but it is a different format. And I guess it's you know, in a lot of ways, there's excitement there because it's always changing as opposed to writing a 50,000 word, 100,000 word, 75,000 word book where you're in that same, you, you're in that same story for a long time. And then that birth process, it takes so long. And then once it's done and the high of all of it's over, you got to start on the next thing. And so with magazine writing, it's constantly changing. And so there's that thrill there of getting to constantly come up with new material or maybe you have to research and, you know, using, I mean, they say you should write about what you know. So you obviously have done that. It's great. But I think it's also amazing that you spent all that time, you know, working at a golf course, your parents own one. Were your parents upset that you did not become a professional golfer? I know this is not the writing question, but you know, my husband loves golfing. And it's so funny. I think he would have been happy to be a professional golfer. Um, but how did you, how did you get out of that? You know, and your parents not, I mean, were they okay with you not, you know, making all this money as a, a golfer going to let your parents retire someday, you know, kind of thing. Right. Right. And I did, I did consider that uh, uh, briefly. Uh, it's, it's not something I really wanted. I was, I was very interested in the management side of golf and actually probably a little bit more interested in the, in the two restaurants we had and in, in, in that world. But there was a brief period. I thought, you know, if, if I could become a professional golfer, that, that, that would be something. And that could take me to a whole different level. Um, uh, but back then, I think it's changed now, but one of the first things you had to do then uh, after you applied, 
you had to take what's called a playability test and you you play two consecutive 18 hole rounds of golf and you have to score under a, a certain uh, number. And on the very first hole, I hit my first three drives out of bounds and hit had a 10 on the very first hole, which basically I was done after the first hole, right? And I had 35 to go <laughs> and it was already over. For yeah. me. So, but you know what, this is, the golf gods are saying, you know what? Go back to the restaurant and go back to managing the course. You, this is not for you. So, and I'm glad it wasn't actually. That is great. Um, you know, it, it's it, that's good that you found that early and didn't yes, try. I'm glad it was a blessing. <laughs> yeah. And so, are your parents excited for your? I would imagine they're excited for yours, and you're older now, obviously, but they were probably excited for your success. Because sometimes we make that choice to go out of the bounds of what's in our life or or what we're, we're educated for or anybody thinks we're even sure. going to do with our life. And sometimes you fall flat on your face, you know. So. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's a little different going out when you are maybe in your, you know, just turned 40 and and maybe maybe having a bit of a midlife crisis and really want to change gears <laughs> into something else. But my, my father died in 2005. So I was still at the course uh, uh, when he was there. And then, um, and then my mom and I kind of decided we wanted to sell the course and kind of do something different. Our hearts weren't in it after my father passed away. So that's, that's at the time I left. My mom stayed there for several more years. Uh, she couldn't bring herself to sell it at any time. The, uh, the opportunity happened. Uh, she would just kind of back off at the last minute. It was a very emotional thing for her to do. Uh, she eventually did, did sell it, but she's been, uh, she's just been giddy uh, with what I've been doing and is, uh, has been very proud of the, the, the change. And she's, she's somewhat creative herself. So there, there's a bit of jealousy in there too. I think that she's, uh, but, but she's certainly very proud of it. And it makes me very happy. And she's been a huge reader. She was a huge reader her whole life especially detective fiction. That was her number one genre. She was not interested in, in romance or political thrillers. She wanted just hardball detective fiction. Um, so maybe somehow I got that from her, that love of, of, of that genre from her. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. I just want to give a, a huge big shout to Hamas. Um, he's he's one of our viewers that's been watching us for a long time, and he's a little YouTuber. Um, I think he's I think he's maybe fourteen years old now, but doing great stuff over on YouTube. And um, and he pops Wonderful. in every now and then to say hello, and he says good. he says to tell you that he loves golfing. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's nice of him to stop by. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, I, I always love when I see him popping up in the comments. You know, that's what it's all about—just being able to engage with, um, with the with the viewers. Oh my He's goodness! He's a young entrepreneur. He's a young entrepreneur yes. being on YouTube, and, and it's brilliant to see someone his age having a focus, a purpose, a, a drive, something that he wants to do. So yeah. I, I totally commend him on that. It's amazing. That's wonderful. Yes. 
but also shout out to his parents you yeah. know his, his his parents are always in the same room with him when he's when he live streams on youtube you know yeah. to to keep him safe so they're being very sure. responsible um that's, that's and, great yeah one one's got to do that these days there's some you know i love being on the internet and doing what i do but there are very scrupulous and unsavory characters out there as well so one's got to be careful that's um, true it, my my mom would be in the background if i would let her <laughs> we, we have to tell, have to tell your mom we said hi because we're both moms so you know she would be that. standing back there in the corner <laughs> <laughs> Arms crossed, it. watching right. everything. All right, next interview, you need to bring your mom on. So we'll have, it'll be the mom and Steven show. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my goodness. How has it changed for you since you've released your novel? You know, um, has it opened new doors for you? Are you planning to write another one? Was this, you know, was this kind of like just an, your entry into becoming um an an author um or you know some people just want to get one book done and and that's it and they with that or is this something that you see yourself i mean you you're brilliant at it there's no two ways about it but do I mean, you see yourself writing world. yeah well you know this it started really as an experiment uh a few <laughs> years ago after after I'd been doing magazine work for about six, maybe seven years, um, I decided, I, I, I was curious what it would be like to make something up. Uh, because as a, you know, magazine writing is all nonfiction. I'm interviewing people, I'm telling their stories, I'm, and it takes a lot of work. You gotta record these people. You gotta transcribe the interviews. You gotta get all the facts straight. You've got a, a, a certain word count that you have to hit. You've got a week, maybe two weeks to get this done before you move on to the next thing. And and I'd, I'd happen to uh, have just finished whatever the latest Michael Conley novel was at the time. This was like 2016, I guess. Uh, and I loved it. Like I love all of his books and I got very jealous because I thought, I've got to do all this magazine work. And this Conley guy just gets to sit in his pajamas and make things up all day. And I want to know what that's like. No, I, it, I sounds, really, it sounds easier than it is, I think, though. I thought, I thought this guy's got it made. So I'm going to do that. And, and honestly, I thought, this will just be an experiment. I will I'll write uh, a few thousand words and realize this is really tough and give it up. And, and that's why I didn't really tell anybody uh, what I was doing because I didn't want anybody to ask me how it was coming because I really didn't think it would ever be finished. Um, but I found it to be a lot of fun actually. And, and it was work, but it was fun and I enjoyed it. And uh, after a few months I had 40,000 words, which was about half of a novel. And I got really scared because I thought, is this worth anything, what I've done? Uh, I don't want to, it's been fun, but I don't want to put another six, eight, 10 months in to finishing this if it's just going to rot in a drawer somewhere or it's, it's, it's of no value to anybody. Uh, and a friend gave me the best piece of advice. Uh, she's a food writer in Charleston. Uh, 
and has written a couple of regional nonfiction books. She said, don't wait till you're finished to look for an editor or ask for help. Uh, go to some of the books that you love that are on your shelf. Look at the acknowledgments page. Find some editors. And if the same name pops up a couple of times, see if you can connect with them. And that's what I did. And I found a great guy named Benjamin Leroy, uh, who at that time was a freelance editor. Uh, and before that, he had his own publishing uh uh, company that he ended up selling to Simon and Schuster. Uh, so he was the real deal. And he was kind enough to read the first, I guess, 30 pages. Uh, and he said, uh, what do you want to know? I said, I want to know if I'm wasting my time. Should I keep going or should I just give this up and go back to magazines? And he said, my advice is finish the damn book and then let me edit it. And that's what I did. Wow, um, fantastic. So yeah, it was my friend gave me some great advice and and Ben uh, was a great support uh, sender for me and was kind enough to uh, send me an email once a week and say to say, stay on schedule, keep going, get this done, let's go, which I needed at that yes. point. Right. Yeah, you do as a writer, especially when you're in that deep. Um but you know, you've given you've given a couple of gold nuggets. So anyone out there writing, if you're not sure, whether you're sure or not, find an editor to give you some feedback. Um, and there are a lot of services out there where you, you know, can find an editor uh, and people who, if you're on a budget, you can find someone who is not going to charge as much because editing can be expensive. Um, but you also want somebody who's good and qualified. And I think that's really a very, very important because I, I know from experience in my own home, you know, my 17 year old is 75, 76,000 words into a YA fantasy. And she's having those mental breakdowns of, and I'm, I'm saying that with lightheartedness. Okay. That, you know, Oh my gosh, am I, should I be doing this? Have I put too many words in it? Have I there? She's doing all that questioning of herself. Mm. So she's got somebody who's editing through right now. And I'm doing that also for her to give her that, that feedback. Um, because as a first time author, you know, writer doing this, you really sometimes don't know if it's too much, too little, um, you know, if it's been ridiculous, you need to waste it. You need to throw the papers out, but you know, something that you have said, uh, to us earlier before we got on, which I think we need to focus on for a moment is that you were not an avid reader as a child. You know, you didn't like books. I know for boys, sometimes I, I think, it seems like a lot of books are geared for the avid, re avid reader that is sometimes a girl, you know, or it turns out to be more girls. I think boys sometimes, uh, you know, they want to do other things and read um, because, you know, reading requires sitting down and being calm and quiet. <laughs> boys right. have lots of energy mostly, you know, but um, I think that what, you know, you're a testament to for parents out there who has a child that may not be an avid reader or really like reading is that they, there's still that possibility to do something with writing mm. and with providing content for folks and in, in, um, enjoyment, you know, uh, entertainment. So I, I think, you know, if you have a child who doesn't really care for reading, just keep encouraging them, keep encouraging them, keep encouraging them and don't give up. So I think uh, you're a good testament to that because look at what you're doing now, you know, whether you like to read or not, you have to, cause you got to read what you write. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I, I think for me, it was, it was actually finding the right 
books uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I I didn't care for reading, but I love I realized I loved dialogue. I loved uh, dialogue in old movies and in old TV shows, and I would memorize this dialogue. Uh, and then I, I got uh, I found the uh, the book uh, The Big Sleep um, by Raymond Chandler and read that and the dialogue is just so amazing in all of his novels and that's what got me hooked and once i read chandler i started you know finding uh contemporaries of of his uh like dashiell hammett and uh ross mcdonald and then that led me to uh elmore leonard and harlan coben and then then i just uh started reading like wildfire because i just loved these characters in these books. It just took me a while to get there. So yeah, there's certainly hope. So Stephen, how did you, I'm always curious to know, how did you come up with the title? How did you decide on the title? Was that easy? Was it difficult? And then do you have a favorite piece out of the book that you could read to us? Uh, yes, I was going to say yes. Please read <laughs> if you have a cover. If you have a copy with you, I do. Uh, the The title was easy because Graveyard Fields is an actual location uh, uh, where, and and part of the action in the book takes place uh, in Graveyard Fields. Uh, it's a hiking destination right off the Blue Ridge Parkway in Western North Carolina. Uh, and that's where I grew up. And I just always thought that was the coolest sounding name of a place. Uh, and, uh, I, I just, that, that name didn't, it took 10 seconds to come up with that title. So I was very grateful that the publishers uh, decided to keep that. Well, that's very nice. Cause, um, you know, sometimes one can go back and forth and back and forth with a title and also the design of the, the cover. Um, where did that come from? Uh, that came from the publisher, but, uh, uh, I had, uh, they had asked me to send in some, uh, just ideas, not necessarily book covers, but just some ideas that, that I liked and um, I thought uh, the woods plays a big role in this book. So I thought having the woods would, would be very important, but I was very happy with what they came back with. I, I think it strikes the right tone for the book. It does. Yes, I really like it. It's just, it kind of just sets the tone for, um, for the book. And it's a very striking image, you know, when you, when you look at it, it's yes. intriguing. It kind of has that sort of sense of mystery. <laughs> and, you to, and you're wanting to find out like yes. what's in it, you know. Yeah, hold, up, hold up the cover so everybody can know what we're talking about. Because I, I, I can do it if you if you didn't have it. But yeah. Yeah, look at that. It's hardback. Yours is hardback, isn't it? Yeah. Hardback, yes. Your hardbacks are beautiful. They I are. They yes, are. I love it. Yeah. So can you read? Uh, do you have a favorite paragraph? or moment in the book? You probably have quite a few, but. I have quite a few. I'm not really sure. Um, I know it's difficult picking a favorite one when it's your book. Because <laughs> you're basically married to it. Uh, 
it's wonderful to um to to have a hard a hard copy of the book. Somehow, somehow the hard copy is different from the electronic versions. You know, it's just never the same being able to page through a book. Oh, it's just um, yeah, it's so nice to turn pages and, and, uh, and feel the paper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's nice. And when it's when it's and especially so when you own words, right? It just has a very different feel to it. Yeah, so I'll, I can just read you just a couple of minutes, if that's okay. For yeah, yeah that'll be chapter. fantastic. This is uh, be fantastic. chapter 13 in the book where the uh, protagonist, uh, who's named Davis Reed, is um, he's found a set of keys uh, near graveyard fields, and he's taking them to the sheriff's department to drop them off because he cannot find, doesn't know who the keys belong to, so it's kind of the lost and found of the county. Wonderful. The Haywood County Sheriff's Department was located just off Main Street in the middle of downtown Waynesville. The street was a half mile long strip flanked by restaurants, real estate offices, and a disturbingly high number of stores selling cinnamon brooms and enamel mugs. Waynesville was a tourist town, and proudly so, but it was mid-November and the sidewalks were practically empty. I guess things would pick up closer to Thanksgiving, which was only a few days away. I didn't know how the store stayed in business during these cold winter months. I would just have to add that to the long list of things I didn't know. I pulled into the sheriff's department parking lot and found an empty spot marked visitor. I walked through the department's front door and entered a small lobby where the top of a gray bouffant hovered near the far side of a tall counter. How can I help you? The bouffant's owner said as I approached. I'm looking for Dale Johnson. He's on patrol at the moment. Is there something I can assist you with? Can you give him this? I put the key ring on the counter. The woman, who if her name tag could be trusted, was Barbara, grabbed a yellow post-it note. And your name is? Davis Reed. She wrote my name on the note, saying the words out loud as she jotted them down. When she finished, she gave me a knowing look. Wait a minute. You're the writer. I was about to tell her she was wrong. I'd been known as many things in my life. Officer, private detective, liar, drunk. But writer was new to me, especially since I'd not yet written a word. Deputy Johnson told me about you, Barbara said. He says you're writing a book about Cold Mountain. You know there's already a book about that. So I've heard. I'm a writer too. I have a blog. It's about Southern cooking. I write down all the steps of a recipe and post them along with pictures I take with my phone. My last one was about pinto beans. It's a popular blog. You, I have over 30 readers. You should look it up. It's called Barb's Country Kitchen. I love it. Oh, I love it. And you know what? I... I know that area so well because my in-laws <laughs> live in Canton and oh, really? my, my mom lived in Ash over 30 years and we were supposed to go over there this weekend. So, Are you? Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have to look up graveyard fields then because I'll have yeah. to ask my mother-in-law, but if you go out on her front porch, you can see Cold Mountain from her front porch. Yes. Way, way, yes. way in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. So Crusoe, where this book is set and where I grew up is I went to high school in Canton. Did you? You did not. Yes. Oh, <laughs> my world. What a small world. How fun Indeed. is that? Oh, my yeah. gosh. That is amazing. It's such so a it's beautiful about, area over there. So yeah. beautiful. Crusoe is about 10 miles from Canton. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love hot springs. There's so many great little... For Jenny, there's all these little... Because of the, because of the, the, the mountain area there, um, there's all these little... 
I guess you could call them gold nuggets in the country, just sprinkled in, you know, that are nuzzled into the mountains over there yeah. and uh, a lot beautiful of history. Area. Yeah, it really is beautiful. So wonderful. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. It is a small world after all, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed it is. I'm yes, always gobsmacked at meeting people from around the globe as we have, you know, with the Writer's Corner live show, um, authors from everywhere. And uh, last week we had an author that had been to um, to Africa and actually wrote a story about South Africa. And that was kind of, how did that even happen? Yeah, so she knows all wow. about where Virgetti is and all about what's going on there. Oh, goodness. And she was a journalist, uh, part of her repertoire of things that she does. And yeah, so that was very... That's so cool for Virgetti. And she's actually the author lives in she's lives in Canada, but she was in Italy doing her book tour. I see. So yeah, so it's a small world. And we've had Sebastian. Um, okay, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, and he lives in Asheville. So I'm not sure if you know him or Oh not. no, I don't. I don't. Okay, I'll have to look him up for you because we yeah. had him on last year, I think it was Virgetti. And um he's up there in the mountains in, in North Carolina over in Asheville. So Okay. Great. Yeah, you know, nice we've guy. been trying for the last couple of weeks to get because, you know, the Writer's Corner Live has been going for three years. And every mm -hmm. year what we do is we we do a Zoom so we can bring in all the authors together so they can meet each other. And that's always great oh, nice. fun. And we've, we're still trying to get that done for our we are going to do it and yes we're <laughs> going to do it and maybe it needs to be around christmas so we'll just celebrate the holiday and the new year coming yes. in and yeah we'll Great do that idea. so i think yeah. that's what we need to do virginity that we, we can all wear hats and you know I don't know. <laughs> Have our little champagne toast or Sounds coffee great. or count, tea so count me in All right Stephen we'd love to That'll have you be on That'll be great to have to have you back. And your your wife, how does she feel about having a husband who's now an an author? <laughs> well, you have a great she, publishing house. You have a great publicist, right? You have a you do you have a literary agent also? As I well? do. I have a wonderful agent. Yes. Okay, so you got the whole shebang as far as an author Good support goes system. up on that level. So yeah. 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 I'm very fortunate. So been able to work with some great people so she doesn't think you're going to be a bum that's good right jury's still out but <laughs> i don't <laughs> no. no no she does not think no, no. i'm going to be a bum <laughs> I, like I don't guy... think so she's holding back if she does believe that <laughs> i'm kidding you know i'm joking <laughs> you're you already have tremendous success so you know i'm sure she's very supportive and excited about it she's incredibly supportive yes yes so we need to great. meet your mom and your wife next time we have you on yeah they'll be in the corners next time yeah, yeah all right watching over me <laughs> Stephen, thank you so much it was great fun having you on the show really oh, really it's my pleasure um, appreciate you all the best with um with your 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 novel graveyard fields um and for anyone who's watching on over on amazon graveyard fields is in the carousel so you can simply go and pop it into the cart and get a copy of the book just um, like that just like that <laughs> just like that go get it go get it buy Beautiful. copies for your friends they're great christmas gifts everything right couldn't be easier yeah, just load that cart just that's right just keep hitting that button <laughs> <laughs> thanks 
so much, Stephen. It was great fun talking to you. And a, a huge big shout out to our audience, um, whether you were watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and also over on Amazon. It was amazing having you join LinkedIn us. And LinkedIn. And, link and LinkedIn. Yes. Thanks Thank for reminding you. me. Thank you for supporting <laughs> us. We're so grateful for everybody who watches and, and you know, introducing authors to those worlds. Uh, and um, we're so, you know, we're so happy to share you. I Absolutely. love being shared. Thank you. <laughs> Stephen, thank, thank you. Stay well. Thanks very much to everyone who's joined us today and do stay well. Stay safe. Mm -hmm.